Hi there, I'm Kylie Mowbray-Allen from Hello Media. And I'm Jenny Walk from Elephant in the Room Consulting, and you're tuning into Bite Size Business Life Podcast, the show that helps business owners get clarity and insight to grow their dream business. Whether you're launching, ready to scale, or figuring out what's next, we discuss the nitty-gritty, the hard bits, the opportunities, and the behind the scenes, and share how we've grown our own companies and helped others do the same. We're glad you're here. And Kylie Mobo Allen from Hello Media, and you're tuning into Bite Size Business Live Podcast, the show that helps small business owners get clarity and grow their insight. Oh, and grow their dream business. There we go. Already Monday morning. How are you, Kylie? Uh, good. I was thinking actually it's more to do with being near the end of the year <laughs> than Monday morning. Maybe I think so. That I, I feel like if you start a Monday morning on four Zooms back to back, sometimes you lose all your words. So yeah, <laughs> try and get as many good ones out in the next 15 minutes or so. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but we are coming up to the end of the year. So it's a time when we do a lot of reflection, isn't it, on our business, on ourselves, what we're going to do for the new year. It is indeed. And I think it's so important that we take some time, step aside and actually look at how the year's been, how next year, how you want it to be. And so I thought today would be a great time to talk about money. One of my favorite topics, you know, I love talking about money and pricing and all things business finance. So today we want to talk about how much time your, how much money your time is worth. Yes. So I want to start off with an example. Yesterday I was at the Mullumbimby show. It's a fabulous small town show, just wonderful. And they have this um, pavilion with people selling their crafts. And I just completely fell in love with these gorgeous 3D printed plant pot holders. And I thought there must have been a mistake on the pricing because it was this um, husband and wife team, a little bit older. Clearly, they've invested in a 3D printer. They've come up with the designs, et cetera. I know very little about that side of things, but I do know about people's time. And they were selling them for $5. They weren't bringing them in from China where they bought them for 50 cents. They were making every single thing themselves. So when I asked about the price of the big piece and he said 24, my brain immediately went to, oh, that's expensive, but only because the little one had been five. So really where he should have started was at the 24 price and gone up from there. But I thought about it all night, Jenny, about how people are charging and what they're, what they're valuing their own time at. It's such a good question, Kylie. And when we do pricing models and one of my favourite things to work with clients is unpacking their pricing model and see exactly how they're charging. Often we only charge for materials. We may even charge for electricity, but we forget often to charge for transport, our time for the transport, our fuel for the transport, and then our time for physically making it. And a great example I have in this is I was working with a beautiful client who makes the most gorgeous vegan lipsticks. Her her products are amazing. She had some allergies, so she started creating it herself at home. And we did the pricing for her lipsticks, and she'd actually priced it really, really well. She'd She'd gone off the market to see what other prices had. And I said, that's great that you're using a market benchmark, but let's see how much your cost is. So if you do want to wholesale, you know what your margin and markups are going to be. And it turned out she'd priced it absolutely perfectly. And then she decided to make beeswax wraps or wax wraps. But the challenge of that is when we start to look at the cost of the wraps, she said, oh, it doesn't take me very long. But we worked out for her to actually charge for her time and make the wraps, she would need to charge them at about $35 a set. 
Now, if you, I don't know if you've ever been to the markets as you had with Mullumbimby, but people are selling those wraps at around ten to fifteen dollars. So, for her to charge her time, then she would actually be losing. She wouldn't actually get a clientele generally, but she's also likely to actually either not charge for her time or lose customers. So, we had a conversation about lost leaders, right? So, we said if you don't want to charge for your time, use your wraps as a way to get people into your vegan business. And then you use your other products to actually make your margin. So that's thinking strategically about it. But again, when we're doing our pricing, not including your time is a critical point, particularly when you're looking at um, a craft business or a hobby business. And you're going to burn out. I think a lot of people, well, many people I've spoken to who say, but I actually love what I'm doing. I don't mind that it takes me all weekend to do the sewing or to, you know, create it or pack the van for my market or whatever it is. I really enjoy it. I'm so passionate about it. I'm like, but at the end of the day, if this is a business, not a hobby, if it really is a business, then you actually need to have a sustainable business model. Yeah, I completely agree. And charging for your time is most important about that. And we look at that from a coaching perspective or in any advisory that you're doing is we talk about, you know, why does, why does, we talk about why do coaches cost a lot of money? And we coach, I mean, we charge it at a, at a fairly good market rate, we believe, and we get clients who value our time, but it's the knowledge that goes into it. It's 35 years of, of training and experience and doing the work and practicing and training that end up with your hourly rate. It's not, it's a, not a figure that we've just decided to pluck out. It's a considered amount of money. But when we're looking at a product based service, particularly in that, um, whether it's art, a craft, or a homemade type of product or a business-made product, handmade product rather, then we do forget to charge our time and it isn't sustainable 100%. You can't do it at scale either because your time is limited. And if you are only can only make five an hour, then in a week, unless you want to work 100 hours a week, you're probably only going to be able to sell 50 to 60 a week. And so that means your product is capped out. So then how do you price it? Do you price it as an entry level, not including your time? Or do you price it as a premium luxury product and include your time so you can make your margin there? So it's such an important perspective around valuing the time you use. And and we use, I know you and I have talked about this before around how we use it for delegation, right? How we actually understand our time so that we delegate the things that we don't need to do ourselves to our team. Mm -hmm. Let's also talk about perceived value. Because in that instance with that lovely man, he, charging $5 cheapened his product. Very charging much. 24 for the giant one cheapened all of the products and made me then, as I said, think, oh, that's a bit much. But only because my brain had already been on the $5 one. I spent $50 at that stall and they were blown away. And that also gave my heart a little joy, but also a little sadness. Because I thought the amount of time and effort, it's a huge, huge, huge investment. And then to to be charging so little, I felt out of respect for self, that that wasn't high on their priority, clearly. But what what I thought was, if you can always come down, right? You can always discount something. So what about if they'd started at 25 for the small one, for example? And if they weren't moving, then you can say, hey, show special or whatever. But that perceived value piece is so important. If you charge it too low, we immediately think it's cheap. And, and quality, perhaps. 
no, and I, well, I think cheap. We use the term cheap. We go, wow, that's so cheap, right? We don't say, wow, that's so cheap with a sparkle in yeah. our face. We do it in a kind of like, oh, what are we missing? Is it going to fall apart tomorrow? Is it so cheap that it's been made poorly? Is the quality of the product or service not as good? It's the same thing when we look at massage, right? You go to an amazing masseuse, you're willing to pay $150 an hour. When you go to a masseuse that's charging $10 or $15 for 15 or 20 minutes or $50 an hour, you don't expect it to be as good because the perception is they're not going to be as caring, they're not going to have the same level of skill, they may not have the same level of experience because pricing does indicate um, our how how much we how how much how valuable it is to us. Like, and we're comparing that, and this is the perception piece to our own worth, and that's the piece we forget about, right? When we're talking perceived value, it's the perceived value to your customer's worth. So if you're looking at a high end customer and they they have a high self value and a high self worth, they're going to want to actually match that with quality or high price products. That's why we can have that luxury item. But if the individual you're targeting maybe has a low self worth, and this is the reality, and, and it's a kind of we don't really talk about it very often, but that reality of pricing is if you're pricing at a lower level, you're making it a that your your customer either doesn't have an lot of money, doesn't value spending that money, or has a low self-worth. So therefore, when they compare that price, they're actually, com- oh, well, I don't think I'm worth that much. So that seems about right. But if yeah. I value myself a lot, I'm going to go, wow, that's cheap. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So on that topic of discounting, that's not always the way to go either, though, is it? Like we've, we love talking about this topic because often it's, value adding will get a better response than discounting something. A hundred percent. And and I and a really great example is as we come into come into Christmas, I know we're going to talk it next week about how we can get that kind of next bite of the cherry for the end of year. But it, it's a really great example as an advent calendar, right? So you might say, I want to actually, I have a huge range of stock that I want to move for the rest of the end of the year. It could be a couple of products that weren't high selling mixed with some really great products. Sell it as a 10 or 12 day advent calendar at, a, at, a, at an average price. So some of those items that you wanted to discount actually get bundled into with your high ticket items and the value given to me is like, oh my gosh, I'm getting 20 products for $150. That's amazing even though for you it means that you've actually discounted your products that you're trying to shift. So things like Mm -hmm. advent calendars or bundling your products or when you talk about value stacking but bundling your products so you have one or two of the products that you want to move with a product that you know is a high seller and we bundle them together at a package price, then people are, again, going, wow, I'm getting this amazing, I'm saying discount, the value to me is great, but I don't think you're reducing the value of one product, we're bundling it together. Absolutely. I think that's magic. And we're all too used to those big box stores and those at the shopping mall, everything being 80% off or like, it's just horrifying what happens these days. And the little guy, the, the local owner, the, you know, what do you call it? The locally owned businesses, nobody can compete with that. So if they think about value adding rather than, or value stacking rather than trying to compete with the discounts, it's, you know, it's worth a try. And I think it goes to your, it goes to your, you know, your mum and mum and uh, or husband and wife who are making, you know, mum and pop, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> making three D printing, right? So the cost of three D printing might be two bucks. So for them, they've just they've gone. Well, it's two bucks. It takes me a minute to print it. So I'm actually printing sixty an hour. So you know, if I sell sixty of those five dollars an hour, we're doing pretty well, right? That's three thousand uh, dollars. 
yeah, $3,000, 60 of them an hour at $5 a pop. I think that's about right. Um, so or whatever the value is, my math is not great on a Monday morning, but the value for them, they're looking at the total value, not the individual value. But even if they change that $5 to $8, it's still under that $10. So the value under $10 is considered a low value price. So it's an easy, it's an easy buying decision under $10. They could make it from $5 to $8 or $5 to $7.50. They may still sell the same number but now they're actually clawing back value and the perception of it is that it's a higher quality product just by adding $2.50 or $3 to the product. So because we can say it's handmade, it's custom, it has, you know, it's unique because everyone's slightly different. So we start to value add rather than reducing that price, but also you can actually increase your price by a dollar, a dollar fifty when you start value stacking. You know, I, the great example of that is I look at when we go to markets or when we're going, you know, particularly in that handmade space and they say so you can buy my product but now I'm actually going to give you free printing and I'm going to give you free customization I'm going to you can put your own logo on it and then you can so uh, Kiki K does it beautifully well pay a hundred dollars for something but then you get to customize it and put a logo and we give you a nice box and it's going to be wrapped beautifully all those things were already being given to you but now they've added a value to it. So your $100, um, you know, book suddenly has a value of $130. So suddenly that $100 doesn't seem so expensive because I'm now getting $130 of value when it's only $100 because and I can't customize it. I don't want to go home and buy an embossing kit to emboss my, my, you know, my, my journal. And I don't want to have to do that for all my friends. But if you're going to do it for me, that's my time. I don't have to spend doing it. And the cost of actually buying all those products and doing that work. So they've taken a very base product, things that were already already going to give you for free, but put a put a perceived value on top of it. So a product that was $100 now perceived $130, but really it's still a $100 product. It was always a $100 product, right? But we just yep. changed that perception in it. And we do that with coachings all the time. We see it with cars. The cars are the best example. Hey, we'll give you bumper bars for free. They were always coming, but we're going to upgrade it to like a different color. It was always going to be that color. But now there's the perception that we're paying for extra. Absolutely. What do you think about people in terms of what they're charging? So if you take, for example, a physio, I'm off to physio today, so it's in my mind. Now, a physio that charges one price and then up the road's charging something way higher, I don't think everybody necessarily goes, oh, you're a much better physio. There's probably other things that we would look at around that, like what are your overheads? Have they got a fancy clinic or something? But I think on the whole, they're around about the same kind of pricing as opposed to coaches, which vary from, you know, what would I say, maybe $50 an hour to $500,000 an hour or more. So in those in those service businesses where it is a very clear and standard sort of a pricing, how do you reckon, Jenny, what's your thoughts about how they could increase? So there's a couple of ways of valuing. Yeah, particularly when you're looking at you know physios, orthos, most people tend to say I'm paying between that 120 to about 180 for a physio or an ortho is one of that introductory, and then it tends to drop down to that 100, 140. So one of the best examples is, I guess, for them to charge a little bit higher on their on their fees is to make that first experience phenomenal. Now, I just went to a myotherapist recently. I'd never been to a myotherapist, didn't know what one was. They, it's kind of like a physio, but not kind of like a sports physiologist, but not. And it was an hour and a half booking, and my booking went for two hours. 
So the initial, because he basically goes through every part of your body in that first session. Now, what I've learned is he kind of does it for almost everybody. Now, that's okay because what he says, it's a minimum of an hour and a half for your first session because I'm going to, but he gives himself two hours in his diary and he makes sure that he's covered you from head to toe, every possible niggle that you might have, he's worked on somewhere, but he's focused on the bit that he thinks is important from a physiological perspective. So when you go back and do your second one, it's a significantly lower price, but I also know he's going to be targeted and focused because he served me so well the first time so he's able to charge that higher price at the front and a slightly higher fee for every other one because the service he's offering is phenomenal and i referred him to like five other people going oh my god it was amazing that my body had never felt so good was i still sore yes but i felt overall amazing because he'd done all the things he needed to not just what i wanted he gave me what i needed so i think when you're looking at physio and orthos and chiros and all those pieces it's about saying what is the experience like that I'm getting? So it's not just the hand, literally the hands-on experience. It's everything that wraps around that. Uh, this Mayo sent me a video saying, here's the here's a video of the exercises that I want you to do. Not just a hand-scribbled note. I've got a video that I can play and do the exercises. That's worth gold. People pay for that online. And now it's like in a follow-up email a, one, a week or two later. So I think it's around saying, how do you elevate your service with your knowledge and showcase your knowledge in the way that you deliver before and after? So that's the Give me a pre-questionnaire pre so that when I turn up, I'm not having to spend 15 minutes telling you my life story. You already know it. And when I finish, tell me what I need to do to maintain this great feeling that I have. So I think often chiros and physios and even masseuses who don't do that pre and post care really struggle to maintain a higher price because the service and the quality of the experience isn't there. I totally, totally agree with you. I love that. And one thing I'd like to add that I'd never, ever thought of before until a couple of weeks ago um, in a coaching call with a physio, um, and I said we were just talking about the possibility of a subscription, like a membership, because I said someone like me who needs – I have a lot of physio on my back. And so, oh, it's it's just something I know I'm just endlessly paying for. But if I had a set amount that I paid per month as a subscription, and in that I could either do a physio or a massage, for example, um, and then if I needed to book another one in that month, I could, whatever. Anyway, we we nutted it all out, and they came up with some really exciting ideas, implemented it, but only to their top clients. They haven't even, like, hardcore launched it, and already they've got people signing up. Yeah. So looking outside the box and thinking, how can I – serve people better and give more value and of course there'll be some of those people that won't go every month because they're away or whatever but they're still getting paid it's and a, and a really great example and i love that example because i'm a mad fan of subscriptions for services um healthy pets plus up here in queensland i don't know if it's in the other states green cross vets do it you pay 17.45 a week and you get unlimited vet visits for your dog or your cat or your animal. So it's you can pay up front it's about four hundred and something dollars a year, or you pay seventeen dollars and forty five cents a week, unlimited vet visits, free vaccinations. My brain's already going. Well, it's one hundred and seventy dollars for vaccinations. I don't have to pay for, and I can get an emergency if I have an emergency and I need to go at ten o'clock at night. I don't need to pay that two hundred dollar fee. So all of a sudden. 
I and but people say, well, that means you might go every day, but you don't. Your dog doesn't want yeah. to sit at the vet every day. You don't want to sit at the vet every day. You go when you need to, but now the risk of going is reduced because I don't have to worry about how much is it's going to cost me. So that subscription model where you're taking the pressure, taking it away from the price and make it, making it convenient is the best way to actually um, scale your product, but also tap into your customer's need of, I want your service, but I don't want to have to worry about how much it's going to cost me. So that subscription model, and if they even boiled it down to that weekly payment, not even monthly, and dropped it down to $20 a week. So $20 a week or $25 a week, I'm probably going to pay without even question. And if they said that and I can go and get up to 12 visits a year, I would be booking those 12 visits, but the reality is I probably will only make 10. Mm-hmm. So because you're not going there's things happen. So subscription models definitely a great way to add value, not discount, but also make your time more valuable because then you're not having to chase the fees. Love that. Love that. Wish we had that down here for vets. <laughs> So next week, and this is a great topic because next week we're actually talking in about how we're actually ramping up our sales and our bookings and our revenue prior to Christmas. So some of these ideas of starting a subscription model, looking at, at, you know, value bundles and things like that is a great lead in to our conversation next week about how to get that extra little, you know, revenue burst before the end of the year and how to engage some of your clients when there's so much noise in the market. So I think next week we're going to continue this conversation with that, with a discussion around boosting your revenue before the end of the year. That sounds awesome. And Jenny, just for everybody listening, remember that it's Black Friday coming up, not this Friday, but next. So when we talk next Monday, get ready with your your offer for Black Friday because people jump on that. In fact, people are jumping on it already. Um, I'm noticing Black believe, Friday I mean, sales out now. There's already sales that happened two or three. Well, last week, I know there was three massive Black Friday sales that happened on Wednesday and Thursday last week with two very large brands here in Queensland, both fitness brands, and we're starting to see them come out. My earring, the amazing Blackbird Designs, has put it out today. She's got 20 Blackbird, 20 packs. I'm like, that's how do you do that? 20 packs. I'm like, I'm going to be waiting online for that stuff, right? So great. <laughs> Next week is going to be amazing. We're going to talk ramping up your sales for the end of the year. Let's talk Black Friday sales. So for everyone who's listening, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you know what's happening next and when the next episodes drop, you'll get it. Thank you so much, Kylie, for today's very quick chat about pricing, but also about how to value and bundle and how to improve the kind of perception of your products in the market. Next week, we're continuing it. Thank you to everyone for tuning into this episode of Bite Size Live podcast. Kylie, thank you as always. Thank you, Jenny. I always enjoy our chats. And we'll see everybody next Monday morning. Have a great week, guys. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Bye now.